Does, not, does that not remind you of the sounds of Christmas? My beautiful. How many love Christmas? It's like the most wonderful time of year. How many of you, you're like Christmas people. You love Christmas. All right, this is an opportunity for feedback this morning so you don't fall asleep. All right, real quickly, shout out. What are some of your favorite things about Christmas that makes it so wonderful? Family. Family. Tree. Tree. The lights. Who loves the lights? I love the contrast, light and dark, yeah. What were you saying, Eileen? You weren't saying anything? You weren't, Eileen, you're always talking, though. I'm just teasing. Anyone else, some of your favorite things about Christmas? No school. How many love no school? The teachers. How many of the parents, you're like, oh, good Lord. What about you, Corsi? What do you love about Christmas? Christmas music. Christmas cookies, Christmas treats, Christmas decorations. It, it's, it's really such a wonderful uh, time of year. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who helps uh, get everything ready for some of our Christmas around here and decorating. We had some little elves working this week, and we want to say thank you. But, but Christmas is such a wonderful season. It's an opportunity uh, to remember. It's an opportunity to celebrate. It's an opportunity to look ahead. And, and I'm excited because as a church, we get to celebrate together over the next few weeks and with Pastor Dwayne, I just, before we finish up the whole Christmas, or not finish, but deal with the Christmas idea, can you believe that it's only just a few more weeks and then we're done with 2023? Oh my word. How many of you, you got all your resolutions done already? Because if not, you've got four weeks to get them done. Work hard, right? But, but it, it, the, the Christmas season, such a wonderful season to be able to, to celebrate. And, and as we go through our Christmas season here at Asbury Church, um, the, the theme of our, our, our Christmas is going to be around the promise. Because what I love about Christmas is Christmas is a reminder to us that God is true to His Word and He is faithful to His promises. And this is, this is what is so amazing. Christmas, it's this celebration that, that, that Jesus' coming was something that God had promised. That, the one, that there would be one who would come to rescue and, and redeem. One who would bring joy and peace. One who would make everything right and restore creation. That, that we are reminded in this season that God has promised. And if God has promised, He will do it. And I think this is so important because as we go through our season, we think about all these wonderful moments. We think about the lights and the music and the food and, and all these things. It's a great reminder to us that as God has promised, so, go, so God will achieve or complete. It's interesting. Uh, Paul would write this in, first, uh, sorry, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says this, No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. That, that when we look at Jesus, that Jesus is like the exclamation mark on the fact that God has promised and that His promises are sure because of Christ's coming. And, and it goes on to say, and so through Him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. That the promises in Christ are yes. And so because of it, we get to add our amen. Now, how many know that amen usually means dig in, right? You know, you get to the end of the prayer at dinner time, bless his food, amen. It, it's sort of like, you know, like, you know, like if, you, if you're at the baseball game and you hear the national anthem, the end of the anthem simply means play ball, 
right? And so we, 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 we think, you know, and sometimes we use the word amen, and we're like, okay, it's done. We get to leave, or we get to move on to the next thing. But amen is actually such a profound and powerful word because you know what amen really means? It is our recognition that God is faithful in what He says, and we are joining our faith to what He has said, and we are just simply declaring, God, this is what you have promised, and we are saying, Lord, let it be. Lord, let it be so, God, you have promised this, and so, God, our amen, we join the amen, and the amen is just simply, God, let it be. Because I'm convinced in our lives, the promises of God provide us the hope, the encouragement, the strength, the stability for everything that we go through. And because of it, we get to say amen. We get to declare and and make our amen loud, Lord, we believe it. And so I want us to practice this morning saying our amen. The promises of God are yes in Christ, and so the amen gets to be spoken by us. So you ready to practice your amen? Amen. Okay. (laughs) This is good. I got one already there. All right, so I'll count to three, and then let me hear your amen. One, two, three. Amen. Okay, that was a nice churchy amen. Amen. It's sort of like golf clapping. Right? Okay. So the promises of God are yes in Christ, and so the amen gets spoken by us. So let me hear your amen. One, two, three. Amen. All right. Amen. Good. So just if, if there is something you're like, hey, God, let it be. So this is why. Have you ever noticed in churches sometimes that, that, that people seem to interrupt the pastor by saying, amen, preach it, amen. Right? That, that amen is just simply, yeah. I've heard it, and I agree, and let it be. All right? So if I say, this is one good-looking congregation. Amen. I am sitting to an amazing person. Amen. Amen. Some, some of you are awfully quiet on that one. But, but as we go through our Christmas seasons, we think about the promise of God is yes, and so we get to say the amen. We're going to be actually looking at some of the Old Testament prophecies about the coming of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to begin in Isaiah chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn there. And today, we're going to talk about the promise of rescue. That that God has promised to you and to me that He will rescue, uh, He will redeem, He will restore. And, And the big idea we're going to think around is simply this, that the coming of Christ gives us confidence for the coming rescue. The coming of Christ gives us confidence for the coming rescue. Now, as as we approach Isaiah, just so you know, Isaiah is writing the the, the events that we're going to read about take place about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And and it's taking place at a time when things were not going as hoped or expected. Anybody here have moments in your life where you are not particularly good at figuring out what's going to happen? I mean, you have expectations, like, going, dude, I thought it was going to go like this, but then it didn't do it. How many have been there before? You, you understand the, the, and sometimes it's like, it doesn't matter, it's okay, because it, it didn't, you know, it was, it was a little thing. But the reality is in our lives, there's a lot of things that we have expectation about. There's things we have hope about. Like we come into relationships and we think, I'm going to get in a relationship and this relationship is going to make me happy. I mean, I've had that expectation, and it was shattered. Like, oh my goodness. You're thinking, I'm going to have children, and they're going to just make me smile all the time. 
And that was shattered. And you had the expectation, I will drive a GMC or a Chevy and it will be good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but we have expectation. And then when that expectation isn't met, have you ever noticed how it just begins to mess with us on the inside? Maybe we get a little cranky. Maybe we just kind of get a little pouty. Maybe we begin to withdraw. But it's interesting, how do we wrestle with expectation? Because in this life, we have ideas. This is what we think life is going to be and do. And then it doesn't go like it. And then all of a sudden, we're shaken and, and we're uncertain. And we become like, we can become fearful, trying to figure out what's going on. And this is the space that our story is occupying. There's expectation, and, and, and instead of things going as hoped, all of a sudden things are kind of, kind, of, kind of messy, and things are uncertain, and there's lots of fear. And as we look at this passage this morning, I think there's three really important ideas that you and I can have that, that will give us confidence when we're wrestling with our unmet expectations, when we're wrestling with our fears and wrestling with uncertainty. So I want to begin in verse 1, and I'm just going to kind of walk through some of the passage, make some comments. But it begins like this in verse 1. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem. But they could not overpower it. Okay, so you got to understand that this is an, you're, you're a king and you got a kingdom and, and all of a sudden there are invading, invading armies and, and they're just not at the borders of your country, they're at the border of the capital. And this is where they are. And it goes on to say, now the house of David was told Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. And it says, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Now, just to give you a little more context about what's going on here, if you remember, the, there was King Saul and then King David, and he was like the, 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 the ar archetypical king. And then he had a son named Solomon, and Solomon did okay. He was the wise king. But after Solomon, as they're trying to figure out, what are we going to do next? One guy, was the guy who was in line said, hey, you know what? I know how to make the people happy. I'm going to tax them even more. How many love taxes? How many, how many think we are just not taxed enough in New York State? Anyone? Anyone? Okay. And, and so what ends up happening is the, 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 there were 12 tribes to Israel. And, and so 10 of the tribes are like, going, you know what? We're done with that. We don't want any more. And so what ended up happening is the kingdom split. And there was what was called the northern kingdom. And then there was the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom often uh, would be referred to as Israel or Ephraim. And the southern kingdom was called Judah. So you have to understand what's going on here. That, that the Ahaz, who is the king of the southern kingdom is in his city, and the king from the northern kingdom has made an alliance, and now they are at the gates, and they're like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to manage this? This isn't what they wanted, not what they were hoping for, not what they expected. Yet here they are. And it says that they were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. How remember a few days ago? We had all that wind come through here. How many of you, you dealt with some wind? 
And you, you can tell when you're dealing with wind by, by all the little pieces of branches all over the ground, can't you? But, but, but you've seen it where, where the trees, as, as the wind blows and whips, sometimes you can watch as, as it's just like chaos and turmoil. And sometimes you can see sort of like the wind whipping around trees and it's uncertainty. And this is what the hearts of the people were like. They're like going, the winds of the time are blowing and, and there's such an unsettledness and things breaking off. And they're like, are we going to make it? And in the midst of it, the Lord says to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shir Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Now, I just think this is really interesting because there's a very specific location that God tells Isaiah, Isaiah, I want you to go to this place, you get the crossroads, you get all the different things because... It's at that place you are going to meet Ahaz. I think this is such an amazing verse because I think it tells us something that we all need to know in the midst of our uncertainty, in the midst of our chaos. And that's this, that God knows where we're at and he knows what we're going through. Did you know that even if your life is in the midst of chaos and turmoil, even now, God knows right where you're at and he knows what you're going through. You see, God is not indifferent to our struggles. But God does this amazing thing that He begins to orchestrate and He begins to move by His providence and by His grace to meet us in places, in the place of our need and in our struggle. And I think it's important that as, as we think about the promises of God, to be reminded that God knows where we're at and what we're going through. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that my God is not caught by surprise. And not only that, He knows right where we are. And He knows how to meet us. The second thing that I want to note from this passage is not only does God know where we're at and what we're going through, but God has a word of encouragement for us in the midst of our challenge. And so God goes on to say to Isaiah, like, you know, not only just meet him there, but he says this, and say to him, this is what I want you to say to him, be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Be careful. Keep calm. Everybody say, keep calm. Be calm. Don't, be afraid. Don't be afraid. And do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. I love this. This is, this is God saying, hey, I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. And I want you to hear my word of encouragement to you. Be careful. Keep calm, do not be afraid, and do not lose heart. Why? Because of those two smoldering, um, th those two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Ramalia, like he's saying, hey, you know, you think this is so big? He goes on to say, Aram, Ephraim, and Ramalia's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tobiel king over us. Yet this is what the Lord, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not happen. It will not take place. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. 
The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. And then he says this, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Okay, so I love this passage. I love this passage. It will not take place. It will not happen. How many know that, that there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of scheming, there's a lot of plan that can come against our lives? But how many know ultimately it's God who has the final say? And, and I love it. He says, he's like going, Ahaz, I want you to understand, there's armies that are coming against you. There's insecurity. There's uncertainty. And it feels as though these things are going to come against you and they're going to ruin you. They're going to destroy you. You're going to be torn apart. But I want you to know it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I love the message that he gives because he gives, he gives this advice that, that, that sometimes sounds so glib, but, but I think it's a message we need to hear in the midst of our difficulty and our trouble. And that is this. He says, Ahaz, be careful. And the, the, the literal uh, translation or the way that word is crafted in the Greek is really watch yourself or, or guard yourself. How many know that, that in the midst of difficult situations, you and I have the capacity to make any situation worse? We can do it through our words, through our attitudes. How many know you can flash an attitude that takes it from here to here? Some of you have done that a time or two. You can act, you can do something that makes it worse. And, and, and God's like, hey, Ahaz, I understand you are in the midst of a difficult season and a difficult moment, but I have to tell you, watch yourself. See, sometimes we get so caught up in what's going on around us that, that, that we, we just get, get caught up in the, in the emotion and the drama rather than saying, you know what, I have a responsibility before God and to myself for the purpose that God has for my life. And so he says, guys, listen. I understand there's armies at the gate. Watch yourself. Watch yourselves. He not only says that, he says, you need to keep calm. How many know that telling someone to keep calm in the midst of a difficult time doesn't always make people calmer? Can I get a witness on that one? Like husbands, this is just a little marital advice. When the wife ain't happy, don't look at her and say, honey, just keep calm. Like, that's, that's generally not a good one, right? Um, but, 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 but I love this idea of actually being calm. Um, how many know we also not only have the, the, the capacity to, like, hijack or, or make our situations worse, but we also have a capacity just to work ourselves up into a tizzy? And all of a sudden, we make the problem so big that we're just... We're just we're just caught up in it. And God's like, Ahaz, I, just, I want to encourage you, just, just keep calm. Keep calm. And, and really, for Isaiah, calmness is the practice of trust. Calmness is the practice of trust. You see, in the midst of the, of the situation, the, the question naturally arises, okay, there's all this chaos going on. I can respond to the chaos or I can trust the one who is above the chaos. And part of the calmness is, is, is learning to, to rest in God. Uh, actually, th th this idea is so important for Isaiah that later in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, he'll say this, in repentance and rest 
is your salvation. How many looking for salvation? In repentance and rest is salvation. And then it says this, and in quietness and trust is your strength. In quietness and trust is your strength. And just so you know, that word quietness there is the same word that is used here where God says, hey, Ahaz, keep calm. In this quietness and trust. And there's a strength that comes as we begin to trust God. The problem was, um, where Isaiah writes about it in Isaiah chapter 30, he says, hey guys, listen, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. And then he says, but you guys will have none of it. Like, it, it's not the path you're choosing. I want you to know that Ahaz, in the midst of this tension, has to wrestle about what am I going to do next? Where am I going to put my trust? So, so Israel, the northern kingdom, has aligned with Aram, and, and they're coming against, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to take us out because it's not just one against now, it's two against one. You know, if I'm going to win, we need to get two against two, and so Ahaz already has a plan, and his plan is this. We will get into a relationship and into an alliance with Assyria, and they'll protect us only to find out later that this Assyria that they get into an alliance with to protect them will end up causing them incredible pain and hardship. So much so that they turn their back on that alliance and they say, you know what, we need a different relationship. And they're like, well, maybe we should try Egypt. Because if Egypt will be our ally, then we'll get through this. And so they turn to Egypt. And, and Isaiah's like, dude, you, you turn to Egypt and it's going to be like a splintered staff. All it's going to do is cause you hurt. And I think many times in the midst of our tension, in the midst of our difficulty, we need to hear God's word to us that say, hey, you know what? You, you need to not only be careful, watch yourself, but you have to keep calm. You have to learn to put your trust in Him. And the one who loves us. Then it goes on to say this, don't be afraid. I think, I, I think it's interesting because in the midst of our, our struggles, it, it's not... It's not abnormal for us to begin to imagine what it's going to look like if things keep moving in the direction we're going. Did you know that fear is just a projection of our own imagination? That, that, that it's a projection of our imagination that things are going to get worse and, and even existentially so that, that we're not going to make it. If, if we don't do something, then we're just not going to make it. And we get this great imagining going on that we begin to react and respond to. So I remember when Rachel and I, uh, when we were uh, pastoring a different church, and it was, it was a Wednesday, and we had a couple, I think two or three small kids at the house. How many know that having small kids at the house can be draining, right? And, and she was, and then we had church, we had Wednesday night church, and so she dealt with Wednesday night people, and she's like, I am done with people. I just need to get out. And so she was just like, I'm going to go shopping. Because how many know shopping is therapy? But she was grocery shopping, so it was an okay therapy, right? And so I was like, okay. Grocery store, Price Chopper was just about five minutes from our house, just down the road, a couple, couple, three miles. And uh, usually she'd go in, buy her stuff. And so I was like the loving, good husband that I'm like, I'll put the kids to bed. I'll take it. You just go shopping. And so I put the kids to bed. And I was like, okay, I'll just wait for Rachel. And then like 15 minutes, half hour, she's not back, 45 minutes. And this is before cell phones. 
right? So it's not like, you know, hey, where are you at? What's your ETA? Stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, it's like 45 minutes, an hour, an hour 15. And my mind is going in all these directions, like, where is she at? You know, you got the things like, dude, the kids must have been terrible. She must have decided just to keep driving and keep going, right? I'm like, it couldn't have been me because I, I know the saint I am. It's not me, it's the kids, right? And so, you know, so I'm imagining she's just driving and then not only, oh, I'm like, oh, maybe there's something wrong with the car. Maybe she's in the ditch. Maybe she's dead. In the, and my mind is in all these places. Well, when she finally came home, like hours and hours later, well, it was an hours and hours, but when she came home, apparently she needed a little more time than I realized. But when she came home, I did not meet her with relief. I actually met her with anger. I'm like, what are you doing to me? Right? That was kind of an interesting thing. And I was in that space because of my own imagination. Do you know what fear will do to us? It will write stories that feel true, but may not be. And so many times in our lives, we are reacting and responding to stories that are not real. This is why God continually keeps telling his people, guys, don't be afraid. Hey, you got to manage the stories because if you don't, what's going to happen again? You, you can continue escalating. So God's like, listen, I got a word of encouragement for you in the midst of your difficulty. You need to be careful. You need to keep calm. You need not be afraid. And not only that, don't lose heart. Don't give up. You see, God wanted King Ahaz to know, wanted Ahaz to know that he's in the midst of a trial and something that's difficult but his problem was only temporary. Now, it's funny because when you read the passage, God's like, hey, Isaiah, just tell him, in 65 years, Ephraim will no longer be a people. How many of you can wait 65 years for a solution to your problem? Yeah, me neither. I'm like, dude, I'd like that now. Let's speed it up. But how many know that the, the, the trials and difficulties we face, face are ultimately temporary? Well, let me, let me say it. I'm like, I'm not hearing any amen. So like, that was the amen point right there. How many know that our trials and difficulties are only temporary? Amen. Yeah, some of you are like going, dude, yeah, let this problem be just a short time. Or let it be temporary, not forever. Our problems and our challenges are temporary. And what we have to be careful about is allowing a temporary problem to ruin or to destroy our destiny. Because this happens in the midst of difficulty. Because we have a choice to make. How will we respond? This is why Isaiah says, brings God's word to Ahaz and says, if you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And what he's saying is if you don't, if you don't put your faith in God, if you don't have this thing, then you're never going to have the foundation necessary to be able to stand and withstand the storms, if you don't stand firm in your faith. And I think this is important because in the midst of every storm that we go through, God has a word of encouragement for you and for me. 
The last thing I want to note about this story is that God confirms His promise through the coming of Christ. What, what I love about this story is that God is like, Ahaz, I want you to understand how committed I am to you and to your cause. And so he says, Ahaz, I want you to test me. Ask whatever you like, and I will do it for you just to prove to you that I'm on your side. How many of you would love God to say that to you? Ask me, I'm like going, well, Lord, are you on my side? I'd like a million dollars. Right? And Ahaz responds to God's permission to go ahead, test me in this. Like, like what is it you want me to, you know, how would you like me to demonstrate to you that I am committed to you? And Ahaz is like, you know what? I, I, I don't want to test God. I don't want to test God. And part of the reason he's thinking this is because he's already got his own plan about what he's going to do. And so God's plan is going to interrupt his plan. And so he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going, to, I'm not going to test him on this one. And Isaiah responds simply by saying, okay, is it enough for you to try the patience of men? Now will you try the patience of God? I love it, right? How many of you know that sometimes we try God's patience just a hair? And so Isaiah says, so you know what? God's going to give you a sign. God himself will give you a sign that when you're in the midst of any trouble or any trial, you will know that you are not alone, that God is with you, and he will bring you through. And he goes, and this is the sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. This is your sign. This is your sign that God is going to bring you through any and every trial and every problem. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will, and will call him Emmanuel. And this is so important. This is why Christmas is so important for us because it is the reminder that God has promised that he's going to bring us through. No matter what your trial, no matter what your challenge. See, God knew this was such an important thing, not just for Ahaz, but that this was something so important for his people that he said, you know what, I'm not, this isn't just a message for him. I'm going to put this word in my word so that my people at all times and all places will know that I will rescue and I will redeem. That you're not in the fight alone. This is my sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, this sign is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. It's the sign that reminds us that God will do what he says to rescue his people. You see, when we celebrate Christmas, when we see the lights and we, see, we hear the music and we eat the food and we're joy, enjoying life with family and it's, it's the season, this season is the reminder to you and me that God will rescue us from that which threatens and discomforts us. 
that He is with us. You see, we never have to go through a trial alone. We never have to go through the struggle alone, for He is with us. And not only that, He's not just with us, He's for us. That He's working to rescue, to redeem, and to restore. So in the midst of all the stuff that goes on, we just simply remember, you know what Christmas reminds us of? That the coming of Christ, this, this season, is a reminder that God's coming to our rescue. We can be confident about it. Hey, guess what, folks? Today's problems, He's coming to the rescue. He's coming to the rescue. That, that He's not given up on His people. He, he knows where we're at. He knows what we're going through. And, and He wants us to hear a word of encouragement and challenge us. Hey, guys, you know what? Was it be calm? Don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. Watch yourself. Because the story's not done. Because our rescue is coming. And part of it is how do, we, how do we wait for the rescue? I think firstly what we need to do is we need to lean into, the, lean into relationship with God. Because ultimately every struggle we face is a question of trust. Is God big enough for our trial and trouble? Is He big enough? And if He is, lean into Him. Lean into that relationship. Allow that relationship to provide strength and peace and comfort. Because He's with us. He's with us in the trial. Not only that, we need to listen to His Word. Because God has something to say. I want you to know, in this struggle, you are not alone. He sees where you're at. He knows what you're going through. And He wants to whisper encouragement, hope, instruction, and life to you. We have to learn to listen. And part of this idea of listening is say, okay, God, as I hear you, I'm aligning my life with what you have said. See, waiting, waiting for rescue. We lean into the relationship, we listen to His Word, but we also rest in His goodness. How many know God is good and He is working everything out for our good? Do you know that means He's working good stuff out of the bad stuff? He's working good stuff out of the difficult stuff. Paul will tell the Roman, Roman Christians this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Please understand, our God is so big, so great, and so good that no matter what terrible thing you go through, He can still bring good out of it. We have to lean into Him. We have to trust and rest in His goodness because not only does He know where we're at today, He knows where He's bringing us tomorrow. And He holds us the whole way. The last thing that I would note, if we're going to wait for rescue, we lean into relationship with God, we listen to His Word, we rest in His goodness, and lastly, we look to our Savior. We look to our Savior. You see, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. He's the one that assures us that, you know what? 
He'll bring us through. I don't know if you've read the story of Jesus, but if you've read it, you found out life isn't always easy, even if you're Jesus, even if you're perfect. But you know what? He got through it all. And part of what we have to learn to do is, as, we, as we live through the struggle, as we, as we live through the wrestling, is we look to the one who's gone before us, the one who is the fulfillment, the one who has come to rescue us so that we can make it through. I want to invite the worship team to come. See, again, the coming of Christ gives us confidence for our coming rescue. I want you to know the promise of rescue is ours. The struggles we're in, God will bring us through. How do we know? Because he said, I'll give you a sign. And that sign is Jesus. He will get us through. He knows where we're at. He knows what we're going through. And I'm convinced that what God wants to do this morning for each one of us whether we're in the room, whether we're online, that God wants to speak a word of encouragement to our hearts. We're not alone. We're not forgotten. We're not abandoned. Hey, you know what? Yeah, there's trouble. But those troubles are only temporary, folks. They're only temporary. Some of you are like going, it's been a long temporary understand but guess what he will bring us through he will bring good out of our lives and what we have to do is we have to be careful we have to be keep calm we have to not be afraid nor lose heart You see, the promise of rescue is ours. All the promises of God are yes in Christ. And so the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And what we do with the promises of God is we add our amen. It may be that you're in the midst of a trial and a struggle and you're just like, I'm not even sure how to get through. Hey, God promises rescue. What we get to do is add our amen. We're not sure what's going on. If we're not sure how we're going to get through, we just hold on to the promise and we just say, you know what, Lord? Amen. I believe it. You're going to bring me through. I may not see the way. I may not understand all that's going on. I may, not even, I may not even be aware of the good that you long to bring out of this. But I simply declare amen. Because you're the God of rescue. And the promise of rescue is ours. And because it's, our, it's a promise that God gave to us, we get to add our amen. Maybe you're here and you're just struggling. 
It's our opportunity to add the amen. Because he's not done yet. Our problems are only temporary. And he is working something out that's far greater than we can imagine. So we trust him. And we say amen. God, I believe it. You are the God of rescue. And we trust him to manifest it in and through our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the promise of your word. You are the God of rescue. And God, I know that we wrestle in this world. We wrestle with enemies at the gates. Lord, we, 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 we hear reports and rumors that cause our hearts to shake like trees in the wind. Yet, Lord, I thank you that you are for us and not against us. That you are the God who is with us in the midst of our struggle. And it is your promise to rescue us. We thank you that Jesus is the sign of your commitment to rescue us. And so, Lord, we add our amen. We speak your promise over our lives. And we believe it. But just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many here would just simply say, you know what, I, there's stuff that I'm going through that I just need the rescue of God to be manifest in my life. Maybe there's some struggles, some heartaches, some hurts. You're saying, you know what, God, I just need your grace to meet me. If that's you, just raise your hand because I want to pray with you. See those hands. Lord, you see your children. And you know. God, I speak your favor, your life to them. I thank you for grace that meets us even in this moment. Thank you that you're the God of rescue. And so, Lord, we add our amen, believing that you are able to accomplish everything that you have promised. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.